Again, welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. Excited that you're all here and uh, we're excited about what God is doing, teaching us in his scripture. I want to welcome our Stevens Point campus who is now joining us via video. Hi guys, to our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, our Wednesday night Bible study is a little bit different than a typical Sunday morning service where I'll preach topically, you know, on a particular subject and stuff. In this case, what we do is we take the scriptures, we open it up, and we'll take a book of the Bible, and we'll go through it verse by verse. And we encourage you to bring your Bibles with us, and, uh, with you, and join along with us. So you can read where we've been, where we're going, you can read ahead. I mean, just the whole idea of getting the thing in context, so you can really learn the Bible. Because this stuff will change your life. But it's hard to change your life if you don't know what's in it. And you don't read it. And the Bible is just not a good luck charm. You can sleep on this at night your whole life and it won't do you any good. <laughs> you know, I sleep with a Bible under my pillow. Well, that's good for you, but that's not going to do you any good. You need to read the thing. All right? All right. So, now, um, we are uh, in chapter 4 of Ephesians, so if you want to kind of catch up with us, you'll have to go back, you guys, and point and catch up, or go on the, on the web, you can listen to some of the previous Bible studies that would bring you up to this point. But we are in chapter 4, uh, starting at verse 11. Now we just read how, um, he talked about how Jesus, uh, when he died, he went uh, into the lower parts of the earth, and he took, and, and all the people who've been waiting righteously for him, pulled them out, he took the the keys of death and hell from the devil and led them into heaven. And then it says that he gave gifts to men. So this is where we're picking this up. In verse 11 it says, It was he, talking about Jesus, who gave some to be apostles in the church, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, so that they could do the work of the ministry. Is that what it says? No, no, no. To prepare who for the works of service? God's people. Ah, oh, very interesting. Because traditionally speaking, you have to forgive my taking these glasses on. I, I finally gave in and ordered some new bifocals. <laughs> so in a couple of weeks, I'll quit tearing these on and off my face. But uh, traditionally speaking, uh, you know, we get the idea that it's ministers special men or women of God who are supposed to do the work of the ministry. It's there in the ministry. And and we refer to our line of our profession as being in the ministry. But in reality, scripturally speaking, it is the people who are in the ministry. I remember some years ago when I was, I don't know, I was about 30 years old and uh, I'd been in ministry for... I don't know, 10 years or so, and, and was totally discouraged. Because <laughs> nobody cared what I said. And uh, I, I, I quit. And I got out of ministry. I didn't backslide or turn into a heathen or anything. I, we stayed involved in the church and stuff, but we got involved, uh, started our own business, and, and, and did that for like almost 20 years, where we weren't on in full-time ministry. And I remember telling uh, friends that what I've done is I've, I've quit working for the church so I could go into the ministry. You see, to live this. This stuff is about the people doing the work of God. The job of those of us who are called as as some of these gifts that he talks about is to prepare you 
to do the works of the ministry. You to minister to one another. You to encourage one another. You to pray for one another. It's just not the pastor's job to do those kinds of things. And uh, if, if you, you know, people who have a very traditional viewpoint of, of, of church, I mean, a lot of people think that the pastor should be their personal buddy. You know, that you and I should hang out together and be there for one another and stop by for a cup of, cup of tea, you know. Well, first of all, in a church this large, and, and obviously we can't get over the point, you can't do that kind of stuff. But I'm not inclined to do that kind of stuff anyway. <laughs> you don't want me for your buddy. I'll, I'll irritate you. But uh, it's not about me being anybody's buddy. It's not. It's not about that. Some people get a little frustrated that uh, uh, you know that I travel too much. You travel too much. And what they're saying is you're just not around. We want you to be around. We want to be able to sit down and talk with you whenever. Okay, I appreciate that, that you want to talk with me and stuff, but I've got a limited world, and you know, there's only so many hours in the day, and you have a church of almost 3,000 people, you can't sit and chat with everybody all the time. That's not to say you can't make an appointment to come and see me for whatever, but that's why I encourage people to connect with the others that are here. Pastor Lathan, all the other wonderful ministers that we have here, and other helps that are in the office, and other lay ministries that we have throughout the whole church. You don't have to touch... A guy who has one of these gifts in your life. God can speak to you and minister to you through all kinds of people. And, and quite frankly, sometimes it can, can even make more sense to you, if, this, if that makes any sense, to hear it from just another person who's been through the same trial and the same struggles and the same things. So if, if you find yourself, man, in this church... You know, it's hard to get a hold of the pastors and, and, and we just have to minister to each other. If you say that like that, something's wrong, you're wrong. That's the right way to do it. God gave these gifts to empower you. you looking at me like I dropped in from Mars. God did this to empower God's people, people of faith, for works of service, for ministry to one another. That's what all the stuff is for. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up. Well, I thought the pastors were supposed to build us up. Well, we're a part of that, but it's not just on that specific group. So all of this is so that so that the body of Christ can be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, hallelujah, and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. His goal, Paul had a passion for people growing in their faith. It really irritated him when people wouldn't grow in their faith. The very next verse he says, he says, then we'll not be infants anymore. He doesn't want us to be infants. Don't stay infants in your faith. Um, if you flip over to the right there, over to the book of Hebrews, check this out. Hebrews, the uh, fifth chapter. And, and you'll see a little bit of his frustration uh, with this issue. Hebrews, the fifth chapter, verse 11 Uh, says this, he's talking about different things and he says, well we have much to say about this but it's hard to explain to you guys because you are slow to learn in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again you need milk, not solid food exclamation point he's yelling at them you need not, we need milk, not just a, yeah, 
He's yelling at him. You need milk instead of solid food. It shouldn't be this way, is what he's saying. Man, by, by the time he's writing to these guys, he's saying, some of you guys have been in the faith for years and years and years and years, and you should not be teaching other people, but I still have to teach you the basics. And it really ticked him off. All right? Now, anyone who lives on milk, he, he keeps going here, being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good from evil. These are people who had a clue. And he continues. Remember, these chapters were added later. He didn't stop. He says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again, and then he lists some of these doctrines. The foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and a faith in God, instruction about baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. Now he just listed a bunch of doctrines, which I don't doubt that a great many of you really don't understand. Okay, that's okay because a lot of you are pretty new in your faith. If you've been in this for a long time and you don't really understand that list that he just put out, he would yell at you. All right, it is time to get this stuff. We should know this stuff. And he says, let's quit dealing with this stuff so we can go on. Now, is he saying that we shouldn't teach this? No, no, no. He's talking to those particular people who've been believers for a long time and yet still didn't have the basics down. Now, one of the reasons why, uh, you can pop back over to, to Ephesians, one of the reasons why uh, Christians don't have the basics down is because the church has failed to teach it. So it's not just on people who've been saved for a long time and, and don't know these things. A lot of that falls back on the church. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about what we're doing here on these Wednesday nights. To really learn the Bible. I mean, a lot of you, and you have been in this for a long time. Not, you know, I'm not Paul, so I won't yell at you. But uh, <laughs> a lot of you have been in this stuff for a long time. And you really don't know this stuff. You don't know this stuff. Well, it's, it's incumbent upon us as, as ministers of the gospel to teach you this stuff so you can get it. Why? Just so you can be blessed? No. So that in turn, you can teach others. That's the whole point. For us to grow in maturity so that when other people that are young in faith are struggling and say, well, I don't understand this. You go, oh man, I understand this. Let me, let me show you this over here and, and pray with you about this and, and that kind of stuff. All right? So, see, he says uh, in verse 14 again in uh, Hebrew or uh, Ephesians 4, 414. So, by growing up, he says, then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. I don't know. Maybe the Bible says this. Maybe it says this. Well, should we believe this? I don't know. We should believe that. La, 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 la. That drove him crazy. That does drive me crazy. We shouldn't get it. Being blown here and there by every wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. It's amazing sometimes. How many people, somebody will come up with some concept and just throw it at them. Uh, you, you know, like this, this whole book that Eddie wrote on The Secret. You know, how many Christians, young Christians I can get, but how many mature Christians, when they first started hearing this idea of, you know, the power of the mind to bring stuff, you know, is, is that what God's really about? And, and, and for people of mature age in faith to be blown about by some new idea that's out there is sad. We shouldn't have a clue by now. We should know what the Bible teaches about these things. So we need to grow. 
That's what he's talking about here. Instead, what we need to do, instead of being young and immature, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Many, many times he uses this analogy of we are all members of one body. And different body parts look completely different from each other. They view the world differently from each other. But they're all connected one way or the other, making up one body. So it is with you. We don't just want one church of eyeballs. Okay, We want the whole body. That's why I try to encourage that we don't have to think the same about everything. We don't have to agree about everything, you know, especially stuff that doesn't matter. Basic, fundamental Christian truth, we, we need to agree on that. But, uh, but we don't all have to be the same and view everything the same and have the same ministry and the same emphasis. You know, people who are evangelists, they yell at everybody else because they're not evangelizing. That's what they do. And people who are big givers, they yell at everybody else who don't give lots of money. And people who spend lots of time in prayer yell at everybody else because they're not praying enough. They're yelling at the evangelists. You ought to quit evangelizing and pray. Right? And, 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 and this tendency happens because we love what we do. Because we're the eyeball. We're great. The ear. What is it doing? It's just sitting there gathering sound. Do something. All right? And it's easy to become critical of each other because different ministries, it's hard to relate. But we have to understand, we're not all the same. We don't have the same gifts. We don't have the same talents. We don't have the same anointings. We don't have the same uh, abilities. Uh, You know, sometimes you're just a toenail. (laughs) You know? Not the most glorious thing on earth, but I'm glad I got toenails. Why? It, It makes... It helps make up the whole body, all right? So, he goes on to say, now, he says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, meaning non-Christians, in the futility of their thinking. Remember, the first three chapters of Ephesians, he's talking about how, what, what a miracle has happened in us as people of God, and a result of faith. And how God has lifted, when you come to faith in Christ and you experience Christianity, God raises you up in status in eternity, right up there in heaven with Christ. Which is hard for us to relate to. I mean, a lot of stuff he's talking about is like, whoa, how is that possible? But that's what he said. And he said, someday for the, there's going to come a day where throughout the ages, God will show his love to the universe by pointing to us. Because he what, he what he did in us, and how he helped you, and how he struggled, uh, helped you through your struggles, and how when you were feeling terrible and lousy, he was there for you and answered prayers and all that kind of stuff. Your life is going to be a testament throughout eternity of the love of God, so there will never ever again be another rebellion like there was with Satan, who came challenging if God really loved. See, he settled this question for all. So he's talking about how incredible, what a, what a status we have in the kingdom of God. How we even talk about how angels, uh, you know, will, will be lifted up higher than them. They, they, they desire to look into what we're doing. It's like they envy who we are. It's amazing stuff. So what he's saying is, since we have this incredible calling, since we are no longer uh, 
part of this sin darkened world but we've been born into the kingdom of God and we have this new status in life which for most of us we're like you know newborn puppies with our eyes closed it's hard to see really who we are but he's, he prays for us that we'll open our eyes and see what our status is in God he says since you're that way don't live any longer like you used to live don't live and act and think and behave like non-Christians in the futility of their thinking they are darkened, talking about non-believers, in their understanding. And they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Uh, they just don't get it. They won't get it. They won't understand you. Sometimes some of the closest people you have when you start really following Jesus, well, they might be old friends, they might be family members who just think you're nuts. <laughs> you know, they don't get it. They think you've gone loony you know why you know come on we've only had 12 beers have another one you know, I mean these guys you know they don't understand why you don't enter in and all this stuff for them and you know chasing and checking out the hot babes over here and there and all that kind of stuff he says they do these things because they're separated from God they're in the darkness of their thinking but we shouldn't be this way we need to live differently why because uh um we're trying to earn our way to God? No, but because we've been born again. We, we need to live to our status. If, if you're a king, you don't live and act like a pauper. Alright? So, da, 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 da. so, talking about unbelievers again. Next verse, he says, they've lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. This describes the world that we live in. And, uh, you know, sometimes people think, oh, you know, it's so bad today, Pastor. Well, he wrote this 2,000 years ago. People have always been pretty bad. <laughs> we had, it is. We've just had, it's just been a sick, sick, sick world for a long time. What's amazing is in the midst of all that sickness, God still loves us. And he reaches out and redeems us out of that stuff. So anyway, he talks about how hardened and lust-driven the world is. But then he says in the next verse, but you did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Think differently think differently the first three chapters he's talking about this is how you should think this is how you should think this is how you should think you need to think differently and put on the new self that's created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness so what he's saying here is true successful Christianity is the result of deliberate intention you deliberately put off the old and you intentionally put on the new. That's what we have to do. Quite frankly, some of us have to do it every day. Because <laughs> there's that struggle, you know, all the time. There's that sinful nature. The, the crazy thing about it is that, you know, when you're born again, your spirit comes to life. But you're still stuck in the same sin-poisoned body. And that sin-poisoned body, as lovely and as beautiful as you all are sitting out there, is doomed. All right? It'll never make it. Someday you're going to turn to dust. Nobody gets to heaven in this. Not that one wants to get there with this. But (laughs) 
Why? It's, it's doomed. It's sin poison. It's just, there's something about the flesh, just the carnal nature of man, that loves sin. It's been poisoned by sin. That's why it's going to die. We all die or get changed into dust in the twinkling of an eye, whatever the deal is. Uh, but we're all going, it, this body can't make it there. We're going to have a new body, the Bible says, someday. And, and uh, we'll still have bodies. Just, they're going to be brand new bodies uh, at the resurrection. Because this will be transformed into new. This body has been poisoned. And this part of you is that part of you that still you can still sense. Is the part that wants to get irritated. It's the one that wants to punch your neighbor in the face. Because his dog keeps pooping in your yard. Okay. Also strangle your husband for being an insensitive jerk. It's the part of me that goes, hey, check out that baby. Oh, I shouldn't look at that. You know, that, that is that part. It's still there. And at times, you know, it, it gets a little confusing, especially, especially if you're a young Christian. I think, you know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? When you're first a new believer, you have this love of Jesus in you, but yet you can still feel this pull. And you, you feel a little schizophrenic for a while. You think, what is the matter with me? You know, and you get discouraged. And of course, the devil tries to lie to you. Well, that's more the real you. And, and that other thing is just an imagine. No, 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 no. This is the real you. That's the sinful you. And what you have to do is make the determination. Put off the sinful, stubborn, mean, nasty me. And intentionally put on the new me that is made in the image of Christ. This new life. And you do this, he says, by... Uh, um, putting, being made new in the attitude of your mind. Now, look over at the book of Romans. We'll hang a left there. Romans, the eighth chapter. I want you to see something here. This thing about the mind is, is very, very powerful. It's, uh, chapter 8, verse 5 in the book of Romans. Paul writes, he says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. So if, if you're saying, well, man, I struggle with sin all the time. I struggle with sin all the time. I fail all the time. I'm always angry. I'm always doing things I shouldn't do. Why is that, Pastor? Why is it? Because you have your head in the wrong place. You're being carnally minded, the King James Bible says. Carnal means meat. Minded means your head. So you're being a meathead. All right? <laughs> Don't be a meathead. The reason you're struggling is because you keep your head in a bad place, a, 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 a carnal place. But he goes on to say, he says, but those who live according to the Spirit, yeah, that's what I want, Pastor. Yeah, that's what I want. How do I get there? Well, they have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. It's just that simple. The biggest struggle that most of you have really takes place right here. <laughs> If you think spiritual things, if you get uh, the concepts of God in you, and that's what's so wonderful about as we study the Bible here together, try to get these concepts in you and these thoughts get in you so they stick in your head all week long. This helps you to grow in your faith and you begin to succeed more spiritually. But if you have your head stuck on old thinking patterns, you will keep acting the old ways. So the real trick is to be transformed by changing the way that you think. And all of this still has to do with the sense of intentionality. But that's hard for us because we live in a culture today that it's not about what you do, it's what you would like to do. We deceive ourselves. You know, 
Oh, I'd, I'd like to be more kind. And we think just because we'd like to be, that's enough. You know, or, or oh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to go to church more often. Because you don't, but, <laughs> but I'd like to. We, uh, we actually convince ourselves that as long as we kind of want to do it, that that's okay. But what you want to do doesn't mean jack. Unless it causes you to do it. Are you hearing me? Well, I'd like to step off the end of this. I really would. <laughs> and for some, I'm telling you, we live in a culture where we really think that that's all that matters. I mean, we won't say it, but if you think of it, that's the way everybody thinks. Well, well I'd like to. I'd, I'd love to give more. Do you pray? No, but I'd like to. Do you go to church? Not that much, but I really love it when I'm there. No, it doesn't mean, doesn't matter what you like to do until you do it. But we do, we'd have a world where people say, I'd like to play the piano. I'd really like to. Well, I wish I could, but I'd like to play the piano. But you don't want to play the piano. Because if you really want to play the piano, you'd sit down and you'd practice the goofy piano. But we think, as long as I'd like to do it, that's all that really matters. Oh, I really like. I wish I could. I'd like to lose weight. <laughs> Come on! I too would like to lose weight. In fact, if you feel just right, you can you can feel the baby kick right here. That's this little pouch thing going here. But uh, oh, I'd like. We think. Well, oh yeah, yeah. I'd really like to. You know, I'd, I really want. But I can't. Of course you can. Quit eating. <laughs> you know, I could quit eating. I don't want to. I like to eat. I don't like to be hungry. Actually, I like to be hungry because then I can eat. What's the drag is being hungry and not eating. That's the drag, right? But that's when you lose weight. When you're hungry, don't eat. Well, I'd like to do this, but we don't really do it. And I want to. And man, I'd, I'd like to have a better life. Man, I, you know, it's, it's great that you, you can do what you do. Boy, I wish I could do that. Or whatever, we just live in this world. You know, people who are successful always hear other people say to them, Oh man, I wish I was like that. I wish I could do that. You know, Kabir, man, I, I wish I could, I wish I could rush quarterbacks like you. It just comes automatically, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just, you don't have to do anything, right? Just happens. No, he's got to work his butt off. I'd hate to do what he does. I would, man. I just—it's brutal. Those guys, and, and we need to pray for our. We got a lot of guys that play on the team that, that come to church here. It's a dangerous line of business, man. Remember these guys. Pray for them. God bless them. Help them to succeed. Keep them safe. You know, successful businessmen, man. I, I wish I could be like that. Except I don't really want to do what they do. <laughs> I don't want to study, you know. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to work hard. Boy, I wish I had a bunch of money saved up. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, y'all, wouldn't that be great if you had a bunch of money saved up? But you don't want to save any money, <laughs> you know. A whole lot of people say, you know, Pastor, how, how, how have you been, how did you get to where you're at spiritually? And the answer is, on purpose. It's on purpose. How have you been married for 35 years? On purpose. On, it's intentional. Anything you do in life, you do on 
purpose. And I really am concerned about our culture because more and more and more and more people think that things should just happen because. There's no connection between reaping and sowing. Truthfully, we live in a, in a culture where people are shocked at the results they get. Talk to people. Their life stinks. They have no money. They can't stand their families. Everybody hates them. They can't hold a job. And, and they can't understand why. Well, because you're doing the wrong things, that's why. We can help you learn how to do the right things. But people don't want to really do different things. They just want different results. Pastor, can you make it better? No. <laughs> but you can. And I can show you how. I can show you how you can get there. I can teach you the principles of how to get there. But it's intentional. And those who are going to grow in their faith and really succeed at this stuff will do so because they are intentional. And they intentionally make the decision. I will stop being this way. I'm going to be this way. I'm going to quit thinking this way. And I'm going to start thinking a new way. Because those who think like the Spirit start to succeed. Very interesting stuff. Okay. Therefore, each of you must... What? Therefore, what, what's the therefore? You know, that, that God wants us to walk in this victory and, and this uh, true righteousness and holiness. He says, so therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Quit lying. Stop lying. And speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Then he says, in your anger, do not sin. It's interesting, he does not condemn anger per se. Pastor, I just get so mad. Okay. It's okay. You can get mad. Just don't sin. Don't get mean. Don't get crazy. Alright? Put anger in some expressions of frustration. That's, that's a normal thing. I remember I had one sweet lady. I don't know if she's here tonight. I don't see her. So maybe she's not here, but... Uh, this is years ago. She came up to me and said, Pastor, I, I've got to talk to you. And I said, okay. So she sat down just totally frazzled. And she said, I said, what's the problem? She says, I yell at my kids. And I said, so what's the problem? She says, I yell at my kids. I said, well, what's wrong with that? And she was stunned. You mean it's okay to yell at them? I said, do they deserve to be yelled at? She says, absolutely. <laughs> so then yell at them. I said, do you cuss at them? Well, sometimes. I said, well, don't cuss at them. Don't sin. Don't be mean. Don't tear down their self-esteem. and be, You know, there's a difference between ex- expressing frustration and being just a mean, nasty person. Don't be mean and nasty. You can yell at your kids. She says, really? I, all the girls in my Bible study, they say, I, you can never raise your voice at your children. I said, really? She says, yes. And I feel bad all the time. I said, these girls in your Bible study, they all have blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> Come from Sweden. <laughs> she goes, actually they do. <laughs> 
different, different cultures, different temperament. And the culture, I can, this lady was Italian, you know, she's, you know, Italians, Puerto Ricans, we were born yelling at each other. I mean, you hate anybody. It's okay. Just don't sin. Don't be mean. Don't hurt. Don't degrade. Then he goes on here. He says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Great word of advice. Don't let the sun, in other words, don't go to bed mad. You can get mad, but try and resolve this. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Which is really kind of the good thing if you get mad after the sun's already gone down because you get the whole next day yet. <laughs> sun's already got down. Leave me alone. I got till tomorrow night before the sun goes down. <laughs> that, that, that might be a little, little technicality. But I'm taking everything I can get, man. When I'm mad, I'm mad. So why, why, should, why do you got to get over it? Because you don't want to give the devil a foothold. How can you give the devil a foothold in your life? By getting angry and not letting it go. If you get mad and you refuse to let it go, you've just put up a big neon sign that says, Satan welcome. So I don't believe that. That's <laughs> why your life stinks. That's exactly right. You give the devil a foothold. You can't do that. Don't be hanging on to anger. You've got to let it go. It will kill you. Goodness gracious. Then he goes on. He says, he who has been stealing should steal no longer. It's a very practical Christianity. He's saying, because of who we are, this is why we should stop doing this bad stuff. You see what I'm saying? Legalism and just Christianity, the kind of Christianity that just, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, is not based on lifting people up. It's based on beating people down. You're a sinner. You're a filthy rotten sinner. You're a sinner. That discourages people. And the more you do that, the more they're slaves to what they're trying to stop doing. See, what Paul's been doing through this whole book of Ephesians, he starts out the whole half of this thing, lifting us up. And look, because of who you are, that's why you don't do this. Hallelujah. See, because you're something, you're something special. We used to always tell our kids when they're growing up, you know, you can't do that. Why not? Because you're a gunger. Gungers don't act that way. You know, it infuriated them because they didn't know what that meant. I'm not sure what it meant either. But that's what we told them. It's just that you are better than that. You don't have to act this way. So he gets on people who are angry and bitter all the time. And they talk about people who've been stealing. Look, if you've been having a problem with stealing, stop. Why? Because of who you are. You're better than this. And, uh, and, and instead of stealing and ripping people off, get a job, he says. Work. Doing something useful with your own hands. Get productive. Get some positive income coming in your life. Why? So you can get the biggest, fattest thing you don't need. Is that why? Why? So you can have something to share with those in need. Prosper so you can bless others. You know, Not that you can't have stuff. I got stuff. I got cool little things, you know, but, you know... You don't always get those overnight. You young people, goodness gracious, slow down a little bit. One of the biggest problems with these young couples today and, and, and young people is they're trying to have what their parents had when they left home. 
not realizing it took mom and dad 30 years to get back to that point. You know what I'm saying? But they want it right away. And they get caught up into this whole credit card nonsense. And boy, if you're buying stuff you don't need with money you don't have, you are headed for trouble. Did you follow that? Buying stuff you don't need with money you don't have, you're in trouble. Don't get caught into that trap. You don't need all these things, especially if you don't have the money to get them. And besides, you need to work and prosper in a way so that you're able to give and be generous. You know, it might just be an extra 10 bucks. I mean, who knows what it is, but just not consuming every dime that you get. Uh, God can't bless you if you're going to do that. You need to get in a place where you can bless others so you can be blessed. Okay, goes on and tells us something else we shouldn't do. He's got a whole list now of stuff he shouldn't do. Don't let any, let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. <laughs> ouch. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Unwholesome talk. How many of us have been guilty of that? But just talk about stuff that's helpful for building others up according to their needs. You know, it's amazing how often we talk talk that tears people down or frustrates people. You know, and we poison people. And uh, as I shared on Sunday, you know, in that message that it, you know, it doesn't really matter. But how often people who just start rambling and they get other people upset, that how those people get actually more upset than they were in the first place. Why? There's this inflaming thing that happens. And he says, man, don't, don't be tearing people down. Why don't you lift people up? Use your words to bless people. Use your words to encourage people. Uh, you know, even the people closest to you. You know, guys, it wouldn't kill you to say something nice to your wife. Boy, I thought I got an amen from the ladies on that. Yeesh. <laughs> say something nice to the girl. When she does stuff for you, do you say thank you? When she cooks you dinner, say just thanks. I appreciate that. Or why did it take so long? You know, don't be a jerk. You can be nice. Compliment the girl. Tell her she looks nice. Be nice. Lift people up. Say nice things to your kids. And I'm talking to men here because a lot of guys, we don't, you know, we don't like to say anything. Just We grunt. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> your grunting isn't going to help anybody. Say something positive to your kids. Let your kids know, you know, hey, I'm proud of you for what you did. You know, and if they go aside, instead of just screaming at them, you know, scream at them and say, look, you're better than that. I believe in you. I know what you're capable of. Don't slip into behaviors. That's, that's not good for you. But be positive. Believe. Be kind. Build people up. Words can be so powerful in lifting people up. You know, I, you know I've mentioned this before, but I know a lot of you, you're, you still struggle in life because of words you heard when you were young. Words you heard from the people who should have protected you the most and encouraged you the most were, were mean. They said things to you like, you're stupid. You're a nothing. You're a nobody. You'll never be an anybody. You're nothing, you're nothing but a mistake. You're nothing but a disappointment. Parents who talked to their children like that. Some of you had parents who talked to you like that. And you've, all through life you struggle because you have this haunting voice in your head. Wow, that's, that's got to be hard. And you can change the channel. You, you've, you've just got to get thinking positively instead of that, those negative thoughts and let, and let God transform you. But it's hard. It's going to be hard work. 
you know, I, I didn't have the most perfect childhood in the world and not the most perfect parents in the world, but, but I'll tell you the one thing I had, I had a mother who always told us we could do anything and be anything and we're better than the way we're acting. I'm haunted. The, the voice that haunts me all the time is you can do better. You can be better. You can do anything. That's a wonderful thing. I, I can't imagine living life and trying to silence those other voices. Don't you do that to your kids. Don't, because a lot of times we duplicate the same behavior from our parents. Talk nice to your children. You dads, talk to your kids. Be nice to your daughters. Well, I'm getting off on subject here now. But tell those girls that they're beautiful. Hug your little girls. Hug your teenage daughters. So if you don't hug them and tell them they're beautiful, they're going to go to find some other nitwit who will. Are you hearing me? They need to feel valuable and precious and appreciated for who they are. You have, the Bible says the tongue has the power of life and death. The question is, are you speaking life or are you speaking death? And it's important, you know, for, for men to be the leaders and the protectors in their home. And, you know, a lot of you guys, you would protect your family if, you know, some guy busted in in the middle of the night. You know, you'd have, grab your baseball bat and go down there and smack him upside the head and stuff. You're, you're the protector, okay? And that's great. We're wired for that. But it's more than just physical protection against someone who would do harm. There's emotional protection you need to provide in your home. Do you provide that to your home? Or do you terrorize your home? Some guys, they terrorize their families with their own fears and stuff. Coming home and saying, I don't know, they said they're going to lay us all off. And I don't know, I don't think I'm going to keep my job for much longer. I don't know, we're going to pay for anything. We're all going to die and go to hell. (laughs) Christian men who talk this way. Terrorizing their children. What do you think your kids are thinking when you're saying stuff like that? Terrorizing your wife. Suck it up, man. Good terrorizing them. So, well, I got concerns. Well, find some other guy and talk to your concerns. Then he can smack you upside the head. Go in your family, putting fear into them. Man, what you ought to be saying is, you know, I know that, you know, they might, might uh, have to lose a job, but you know what? God's always been faithful. We're going to trust God. We're going to be fine. It's going to be great. It's an opportunity for a miracle. God's going to take care of us. It's going to be all right. It's always been all right. It always will be all right. That speaks hope, life, and encouragement to your children, to your wife. Be a man. (laughs) How did I get into all that from this? I don't know. Oh, unwholesome talk. Build people up so that it may benefit those who listen. And verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Remember we talked about that earnest money, that down payment, that Spirit of God that's inside of you. That's your down payment for heaven. That's how you know that you know because you can sense God's warmth inside of you. He says, don't grieve that. How would I grieve that, Pastor? By speaking unwholesome tearing down things. When you do that, you grieve the Spirit of God. You don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. Alright? Then he goes on. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, 
brawling and slander every, along with every other form of malice. All this anger, all this stuff. And instead he says, be kind to one another. Compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Why? Why should I forgive him? Why should I let him off the hook? Why should I put up with that? Because in Christ, God forgave you. You need to do this for each other. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving one another. Even as Christ, in Christ God forgave you. Um, you know, back up again. Look, look at this verse 25. He says, you know, don't lie to each other. Speak truthfully to each other. Why? Because we're all members of one another. Remember, in this whole context, he's talking about we're members of one body. You need to be there. You're part of each other. And, and the thing is, a lot of people, they don't want to be part of anything. They even talk like that. Yeah, I'm not getting too close to people. I don't want to get too close to people. But then you get hurt. I don't want to get too close to friends, to people, because because then 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 you just get upset when things go wrong, and I, you know, and no 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 no, you need to be connected. Well, it hurts. It's supposed to hurt. It is. When something goes wrong, and somebody's hurting, and something goes terribly wrong in their lives, it should hurt you. Or if somebody does something, and and they're struggling in life, it should affect you. Because we're all members of one body. If I slam my thumb in the door, my other hand doesn't go, Why are you idiot? <laughs> what were you thinking? I, that's why I don't go near doors. <laughs> and criticize it. What does he do? He runs over. Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Because when the thumb gets slammed, the whole body is aware. Ow! Why? Because we're connected. And we jump. Ow! Ow! That's the way we should be. You stub your toe, then both hands jump in on it. Ow! Ow! And the other one's got to work harder up and down. Why am I jumping? It's supposed to affect everything. Don't try, you know what? If my hand lived in a state where it wasn't affected by what everybody else did, you'd have to cut it off. And that's why a lot of people live. They, they try and live separate. I don't, don't want to get connected everywhere. I'm going to stay safe and insulated. And they, they build these walls around themselves. Good grief. You don't want to be that way. We're supposed to be members one of another. We're supposed to be connected with each other. When one rejoices, it should lift all of us. When one is blessed, it should lift the other. When my thumb is feeling good, this one's happy too. My toes are happy. Everybody's happy. When one's hurting, we all rush over and we give it attention. We share in the pain. That's what happens when you're connected. But it's a wonderful thing. There's nothing glorious about being just a head with no body. That's pretty much being dead, actually. <laughs> but, but even if you could do it and not be dead, would you pick that? I'm I just going to cut off my head and put it on this machine. Just my head will be up there. Why? Because I'm, I'm tired of taking baths. <laughs> oh, you got to take baths, then you got to go potty all the time. What is that anyway? I'm just tired of it. You're sick and tired. I'm just going to have the head and just sit. 
well, okay. How, how are you going to pick your nose? That's the thing I'm thinking. You know, then what are you going to do? You can't win at this thing. Who wants to just be ahead? Let's be connected. Let's be there for each other. Realizing we are lifted up. And because we've been lifted up, what kind of lives we should live. We should stop doing these stupid things that pull us down. And not, not be out of hate or fear or anything, but because of who we are and who God's called us to be. And because we're connected to one another. And we forgive and we give each other breaks and we cover for each other. Why? Because we're connected and, and we love and, and we try to soothe pain. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? The good news is you're not alone. You're not alone. Now you're part of a family, man. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm done. Am I done? Yes, I am done. Yes. The crowd's cheering. You're done. Shut up. All right. Pastor Lathan.